From Cities Church, you're listening to Gospel Stories, conversations about encountering Jesus amidst life's challenges. I'm Nick Offenkamp, your host, and now here's the show. Brett Tony, so good to, to sit down with you, man. How are you? Doing well. Really good to be here. Really, uh, of course, good talking with you and I've loved listening to these podcasts. So glad to be a part of it. Awesome, man. Awesome. And um, it's it's funny. We've we met each other for the first time. I don't think that you really even remember this. I didn't. Uh, Until you, you brought it up. Yeah, it was like seven years ago. Uh, my wife and I came out to visit. Minneapolis uh-huh. to check out Bethlehem College and Seminary. And we heard about this quadplex, fourplex in the Phillips neighborhood that we might be able to move into. And that there was this young seminarian couple who was going to be graduating and moving out. And so you had us over to your house before you had any children, <laughs> uh, right before you were graduating. Yeah. We got to meet your, it was a great Dane, right? Yeah. Yeah. A huge dog, yep. huge dog, small apartment. Daddy. That's right. Yeah. And we knew that like you guys were transitioning out and that we would be coming after you left. And so it was one of those meetings of like, yeah, we're checking out the apartment. These Tony people yep. seem You just wanted great, to see your place. But, <laughs> yeah. But it was like, we're never going to. buy our stuff? <laughs> never. Uh, we might have. I don't remember. We, we, I, yeah. Um, but it was just definitely one of those things like, well, we're never going to see them again. Right. It's like, hey, let's be friends. But well. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Yeah, exactly. But now but, we're friends. And we are friends and, and here we are even, uh, worshiping in in the same local body and, uh, God willing booting you guys out one of these yeah. days too. Hey, maybe you'll come with us. So. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see the, the Lord does move in a mysterious way sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah. So you, just recently moved back to the Twin Cities, right? Yeah. So we just moved back here, like I said, after seven years in Michigan, uh, moved back to uh, do the church planning residency here at Cities Church. That's awesome. So uh, got back into town in July. Okay. Okay. Yep. Great. And tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah. So uh, like you mentioned, when we moved to Michigan seven years ago after graduating from seminary, no, no kids, just a big dog. And uh, Michigan uh, changed that, uh, <laughs> something in the water, apparently. But uh, so we had all four of our kids there in Michigan. Uh, we lived in Southeast Michigan, just north of Detroit and uh, Auburn Hills. Okay. And uh, all four of our kids were born in Michigan. They're all, all Michiganders. So uh, we're, now we got uh, Maranatha. She's currently seven in second grade. Titus is five in kindergarten. And then twin girls, Evangeline and Sayla. And they're just about four years old uh, here in a few weeks. So four kiddos, uh, no, no dog anymore. And, uh, not for now at least. Yeah. And, uh, love being back in Minnesota and excited to be showing our kids all the fun stuff here about the Twin Cities. And, um, yeah, we just have a lot of fun together. Yeah. You got such beautiful kids, man. They're so much fun. They are. Yeah. (laughs) And how long have you been married now? We've been married, uh, 10, no, 11 years, 11 and a half years. So 2008 is when we got married. Okay, cool. And did you guys, you and your wife meet in the Twin Cities? We did, yeah. So we both went to Northwestern. Uh, my wife is kind of from the area. She grew up in River Falls, Wisconsin, just across the Minnesota-Wisconsin border. I grew up in Iowa 
and both went to Northwestern. She's a, a few years ahead of me. And so we had met on campus here and there just through mutual friends. But, you know, she was a senior. I was a freshman and, you know, just didn't give it much thought. Almost went on a missions trip with her, actually, that, that she was facilitating, but decided to, to do a different trip. And uh, it wasn't until uh, we, we both went to the Urbana Missions Conference in 2006. Yeah, December 2006 uh, to that conference. Just hung out over the course of the conference and, and came back that uh, January. Everyone's still on on break and uh, that kind of stuff. So no one's around. So we just got to hang out a lot in that, that January of yeah, 2007 and got to know each other. And I just remember playing, I don't know, like some Disney game or shoots in, I don't know, some uh, some kid game where you have to know colors. And like, I'm kind of colorblind. And okay. so like here I'm trying to like impress this girl because <laughs> as I'm like starting to like her and I'm playing some stupid kid game, but you got like match the colors and like, I can't tell the difference between purple and blue sometimes. <laughs> um, and so like, I'm super stressed out, like playing this game, like this little kid game. Were you with little kids? No, 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 no. It was just like <laughs> winter break and there's nothing to do. And so playing this game with her, her and her roommates. And I don't know why we're playing this. And we played some Disney game too. And I'm like super stressed, like trying to match colors. Like, this should not be this hard, but do you want to say that? Hey, I'm colorblind. I can't actually like, tell the difference between these colors. But so anyway, that's how, how it all started. Urbana and Disney board games. Something like that. I mean, that. It's, yeah. isn't that the beginning so, of every <laughs> wonderful marriage and relationship? When you these go are to the a foundations small Christian college, we, at least yeah. that's, that's how it goes. Uh, that's awesome. And so then after graduating Northwestern, yeah. Did you go straight into Bethlehem College and seminary? That's right. So seminary, graduated yeah. in 2008. Uh, so May 2008, I graduated from Northwestern and then got married in June and started uh, working at Bethlehem and uh, attending the seminary that at the time was the Bethlehem Institute uh, mm-hmm. that fall. So it was a, a big, 2008 was a big year and uh, went through seminary, ended up doing that for four years, graduating with a Master's of Divinity in 2012. And then uh, the Lord called us to go to Michigan, which we never thought possible. <laughs> when we first heard about the opportunity, uh, Kalina was like, all right, well, just, just, you know, just talk to him. Like there's, you know, yeah. it'll be good practice. It'll be good practice. You know, never interviewed before for a full-time job, never interviewed for a pastoral position before. So it'll be good practice. I mean, we're not going to go to Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Why would we do that? <laughs> uh, lo and behold, that's uh, how the Lord moved. So called us to serve out there. My goodness, man. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. And then recently had a calling back to, to church planting. That's right. I mean, I'd love to hear just a, a bit about that. Like what? Uh, yeah. So uh, end of 2018, just wanting to uh, pursue a, a lead preaching type uh, pastoral position. And, uh, you know, would uh, love to be back in Minnesota, Wisconsin, just being closer to family and, you know, love the Twin Cities and um, so I'd reach out to guys that were, uh, I knew were in the area and seminary, uh, with, uh, back in, in this area and, uh, just said, Hey, I'm looking for this kind of position. If you know of anything, let me, let me know. And Jonathan responded and, uh, he said, well, actually we just had a pastor's meeting tonight and we we're talking about who our, our next church planning resident might be. Would you consider planting with us? And, you know, reading the emails kind of like, did he send this to the right guy? <laughs> Not me. Um, had been aware of church planning, had, uh, worked with, uh, the church plan efforts at Bethlehem, yeah. you know, just on the administrative side though. So it was all always like kind of from a distance and like church planning is great. It's gotta happen. Uh, love it. But 
that's not me. Yeah. I just didn't think I was, I was wired that way, but in talking with Jonathan uh, and praying and uh, just uh, seeing the, the model of church planning that cities engages in and uh, the, the leadership development that's already taken place uh, at cities uh, and how I could just step into that and, and be a part of what was already happening. It was like, wow, yeah, this really seems like uh, a, a good thing. And it would really key in on, on some of my gifts and experience and, um, and even just, just personally, my wife and I, just how we're wired towards hospitality and, and personal discipleship. Um, it's like all this kind of was just coming together and then just confirmed, you know, it was just kind of wild and crazy again, kind of like moving to Michigan. Now we're never going to do that. Like church planning, we're never going to do church planning. Yeah. Uh, and just having uh, friends that, uh, I thought would say, you know, this church planning thing, I don't think you should probably do this, you know, and lean more conservative and say, this is a little unsure and yeah, you're not quite wired for that. Like that's what I was expecting to hear from them. Yeah. But then they reply like, no, you should totally do this. You should move right now. Like go, go do this. Like financial stuff wasn't figured out. Housing wasn't figured out. Like so many unknowns and uh, just hearing from people like you should do this. Go now. So I was like, wow. Okay. Like <laughs> uh, talk about, you know, external confirmation. Totally. Just as the Lord was also working in a, a Kalina and I both that internal desire for it. So um, it's been a, a wild ride uh, so far this year, just uh, as things have been coming together and, uh, it's really just been incredible. Um, and as I've shared with people, so it's kind of like surfing is what it feels like. Like the Lord has uh, been doing so much good here. It's like, I'm just trying to stay on the wave. Like I'm just yeah. trying to ride the the good stuff that he's doing. So um, it's been really encouraging. Uh, we just moved out to uh, New Hope about a month ago now. Uh, so looking to, to plant there in, in the Northwest Metro. And um, it's just been sweet, just developing relationships with folks uh, from cities that, that live out that way and now starting to get invested in the community and get to know our neighbors and mm-hmm. um, just start thinking more strategically about how we can see the gospel advance in the Northwest Metro here, the Twin Cities. So yeah, um, it's just been, it's been good. Uh, it's been exciting and, uh, and really encouraging. It, it, moving always comes with its fair share of difficulties, yeah. but all things considered, uh, seeing the way that, um, that you've clicked in with the, the culture of cities mm-hmm. church, and then seeing the number of folks in who are already living in that Northwest Metro that have just been coalescing yeah. around yeah. Uh, you been, guys and around the vision of, of having a church plant there. Yeah. I it's mean, a great community out there. Yeah. Yeah. It just, uh, as far as, uh, it seems like getting people to, to go, uh, that's, it feels more than anything. Like people are just kind of chomping at the bit, like, all right, you know, <laughs> when are the gates going to drop so that we can run and, exactly. and do yep. this thing? And it's, yep. um, some folks uh, have, uh, it has felt like they're like, all right, well, Hey, you, you can preach on Sunday. So we just got to find a place. So like, why, why are we waiting? Let's just get this thing going. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> there might be a couple other things the, to figure zeal, out, but, but uh, yeah, just yeah. Ma- yeah, that's still, uh, it's a good problem to have of having sure. to try and slow people down, sure. you know? So that's, that's awesome, man. Good, good. Well, and I really appreciate you coming on, um, to sit down and, and share a story of, uh, just how Jesus has become more real to you through uh, trials that mm-hmm. you've endured through sin that you've walked through, through, uh, just anything hard, uh, in, in life. Um, 
we all go through it. And uh, one of the amazing things about sharing our stories is just how often other people then are able to see themselves uh, in the mm-hmm. things that that we have endured or that Jesus rather has brought us through. And uh, so, man, I'd love to to dive in and and just hear um, you know, how, how has Jesus become more real to you yeah. through things you've suffered? Yeah, it's a great question that I love and I love thinking about uh, and just how the Lord has shown his kindness and his faithfulness to me over, over the years, uh, just reflecting on, on phrasing it even that way, like how has it become more real? Um, and as we all walk through hardships and difficulties uh, in different ways and in different forms, um, like that's just how the Lord is revealing himself and like, um, that he is becoming more real that as we grow in our, our faith and our, our grip on him uh, becomes tighter. Uh, and conversely, then our grip on, on the things of this world becomes looser. It's just like, yes, Lord, I want more of you. Uh, so yeah, that, that realness of the Lord um, has certainly just over the years become more palpable. And as I was reflecting uh, on uh, the Lord's kindness in my life and how he has become more real as well, it, uh, probably he probably doesn't get any more real than when he uh, first in a sense became real to me that, uh, when the Lord first saved me. And, um, uh, I look back on my life and, uh, I see that, uh, I think the Lord used my parents' divorce to draw me to himself, hmm. uh, that, uh, through the great difficulty of being a kid, watching uh, my parents uh, walk through divorce and, and just the pain that causes uh, seeing uh, my family break like that, um, that in the midst of that is when the Lord uh, drew near to me to draw me to himself. And um, uh, yeah, that was a significant time. So just dive in, into that more. Yeah. Uh, that was in uh, 1997, October 97 is when, uh, my folks divorce was finalized. Um, so they had separated at some point previously, I was 10 years old at the time. Uh, so, you know, didn't know all the, the inner workings of what was transpiring in, in their relationship, um, as, as their marriage was, uh, dissolving. Um, but October of 97 is when things were finalized. And at that time, uh, my mom moved uh, my older sister, younger brother, and I from where we were living in Texas at the time to to Iowa. And uh, so it was a, a twofold, well, threefold difficulty there. My parents just got divorced. Uh, we're now leaving all of, you know, my friends and uh, anybody that I know as a 10 year old uh, going from Texas to Iowa. Like who wants to go to Iowa? Um, and then, uh, third is leave my dad then that he's, he stayed in Texas and, mm-hmm. uh, and then just over the next years, just walking through, uh, lots of varied hardships and just the, uh, repercussions of divorce, yeah. um, and just the, the relational strife that persisted between my parents, uh, that then get caught up in as, as a kid, um, and, and just sin being put clearly on display. Um, and, and that sin then, uh, having a profound impact on me and just how unsettling all of those, uh, those facets are just moving and divorce and yeah. away from, 
uh, my dad and, yeah. um, and the, the long-term ramifications have been significant that, you know, so this is, uh, now 20 some years later and, uh, their divorce still has a, a profound impact on, on me, on, uh, our family dynamics. Um, so it, it was, it was significant and, and continues to be so. Yeah, absolutely. And un- unfortunately, uh, such a common experience for it, yeah. so many of us uh, today. Um, it, it just seems like, well, I mean, statistically speaking, uh, you know, half or more of all adults that you meet today uh, come from mm-hmm. from broken homes or where divorce is, is part of their story in, in some way, shape or form. So if you wouldn't mind, give us a, a little bit of, of context of, uh, you know, how many brothers and sisters did you have? Like, what was it like when your family was together in Texas? Were you going to, to church together? Was, uh, was, was Christianity part of uh, your growing up? Right. Um, yeah, no, uh, I don't remember Yeah, going to church really besides like Christmas and Easter kind of thing sure. uh, up until that point. Um, uh, and, and as we walked through the the separation and divorce and stuff. This is when my mom started bringing us to church. And at the time, like <clears throat> we wanted nothing to do with it. Like why I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go sit through that. You know, like the exciting thing was going out to brunch afterwards. Like that's what we always look forward to. Yeah. Um, so did not like going to church um, and just did not, did not care for it. And uh, not something that was part of our, our family life at all. Both my parents had grown up going to church. So like that was part of their experience, but as a family, that was not something we did. You know, so Sunday morning I was watching cartoons. That's my parents like mm, read the paper or something. Yeah. And, um, so church life wasn't normal, mm-hmm. and uh, for us. And uh, once we moved to Iowa, I uh, just started getting plugged into uh, a church. It was a, a small uh, Wesleyan church, um, and uh, through the Lord's kindness, uh, oh in the, the context of broken family, not having my dad in, in the home, uh, we'd go visit him uh, just about every holiday, every break from school we had would be spent in Texas, you know? So that was just like another added layer of mm-hmm. difficulty that any break I have from school, like, you know, when all my friends and classmates are mm-hmm. hanging out and doing stuff together, you know, over Christmas break or summer or whatever, uh, all those holidays I spent in Texas um, you know, with no friends, just my siblings. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, my older sister, uh, she's uh, a few years older than me and then younger brother, a few years younger than me. Okay. Um, so, uh, that was kind of like the family dynamics, Yeah. Uh, but where I was going was, uh, in, in the Lord's kindness in that setting, in that situation with broken family, father, not in, in the house with us, um, that he brought a number of, of men through my life. Uh, that just had a significant impact on me. And and mm. so at that first church um, that we started going to in Iowa, there was a guy named uh, Brent Norgard and um, he was, I think just a volunteer, but he was kind of like the, the point guy for, for the youth ministry. Uh, so, you know, we just start going to church and would go to his house and uh, just kind of normal youth ministry kind of stuff. I don't remember any particular like devotional or message or anything that he did. But um, I think just through his faithful ministry of uh, trying to commend Jesus to, to kids um, it was in that context that the Lord drew me to himself. So I I remember uh, one night just laying in my bed uh, that fall, uh, just having been, you know, walking through all of these big changes uh, and just a feeling 
you know, I'm 10, so like just not a whole lot of categories, but sure. feeling uh, despair, feeling like I, I couldn't live life on my own. Like I, I couldn't do this. Like the, this was all too much and that I needed help. So I just remember um, crying to the Lord and like, Lord, help me, uh, save me. I, I need you. And um, yeah, I, uh, I think that's when the Lord first drew me to himself. And mm-hmm. uh, so just being engaged in, um, in the life of the church then, just youth ministry stuff. Um, so Brent was a, played a significant role. Uh, I don't remember much interaction with him, but um, he was, he was the point guy there. And after him, another guy, Jeff Brooks, or him being just much more intentional in uh, reaching out to our family, um, especially to me and just trying to be a, uh, not quite trying to step into like a father figure type role, but just older brother kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, um, I remember going to a promise keepers conference with him and, um, monster truck rally and, you know, just spending time together with an older guy, uh, who, who loves Jesus and, and would take efforts to, uh, you know, just point me to Jesus. Um, so just grateful for him. And, and then into high school, uh, we switched churches, uh, the youth pastor there, uh, likewise just continued to, to be that, uh, male figure in my life that just would try to faithfully commend Christ to me. Uh, so I was, uh, his name is Doug Applegate. The guy's been a youth pastor. He still is. You know, so he's been a youth pastor for like 30 years. <laughs> like, so he is a, a unicorn in the, yeah, the realm of totally. youth pastors. Um, but still just plodding on and helping, uh, helping young people look to Jesus and, um, so yeah, just through his ministry and teaching and uh, through the different events, just had that kind of discipleship influence in my life. And, and then later in the high school, there was a guy uh, at the church named Mark Degner, and uh, he really took an intentional effort uh, to, to disciple me in those, those last uh, couple of years of high school. I'm just so grateful. Uh, I was in a coffee shop with him and uh, I just remember the the regular, like, all right, let's just, let's look at the Bible. Like, what does God say? Mm-hmm. Um, so not just a, uh, here's some, you know, my two cents, but uh, like, let's see what God says. And let's look at what scripture says here about this topic or, or question that that's coming up. And uh, uh, so that was, that was significant. Like that just had a, a shaping influence on me on um, like, okay, I got to come here to this word of life that the Lord has given us. Um, and, and find the help and, and strength that I need. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so grateful for, for those guys um, and how the Lord used them uh, to, to commend Jesus to me, to um, be used of the spirit to create new life in, in my, my dead heart. Uh, and then moving into college and seminary, the, the last guy that um, I was thinking of Jason DeRoshi, who just had a profound impact in, in discipling me and, and mentoring me and calling me to, uh, greater degrees of faithfulness and repentance and um, just a, a sweet brother who's, you know, I've just praise God for her and uh, Lord has used him mightily to, to work grace in my life. Um, so that's kind of the, yeah, the, uh, the big picture kind of storyline here of how the Lord worked and moved through me. Yeah. Um, and remarkable, like uh, how many different men, mm-hmm. um, 
the Lord would would use to to bring healing and apply uh, gospel truth. It sounds like were those relationships that you sought out, or were those uh, relationships where those guys really stepped in and initiated, or how did? Uh, and it sounds like all of most yeah, all of those some formed of, like within the church, but yep, some of both. Some mm-hmm. you know, they're just going about you know the the ministry that the Lord had called them to and serving you know youth ministry capacities. Um, and then just my own engagement and showing an, an eagerness and interest for, for spiritual things. I think they just keyed in on that and, um, then just reciprocated with investment. Um, so kind of a mutual, mutual dynamic there. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So zoom in a little further first. Um, what was the connection from Texas to Iowa? Yeah. So my mom grew up in Iowa, actually both my parents grew up in Iowa, but my, okay. my grandparents, my mom's parents, uh, worked in, and lived in Iowa. So they had started a company, uh, in 1987 doing embroidery out of their basement, uh, a little plug there, PNM apparel in Polk city, Iowa now. There we go. Uh, and so there was a, a job, uh, support structure there for my mom, uh, pretty immediately. Uh, so that was the, the connection point. Uh, so she still owns that, that, uh, that company now and my brother and sister work for her. So the, the family business there yeah. in Iowa. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's helpful as far as just knowing. Mm-hmm. All right. It wasn't just a completely random, a like random drawing a straw and, yeah, no. you know, or, That'd be or, even or, worse. Or that's what we to, thought. It, that's what it felt like moving yeah. to Iowa. Like there's just cornfields there, mom. Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. So. Which that led to my, my next question then of like, all right, <laughs> basically <laughs> like who, who is, uh, who is 10 year old Brett Tony? Who is 10 year old Brett Tony? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who was 10 year old Brett Tony. Um, I mean, growing up, it did sports, uh, baseball and soccer, like would do both of them. Um, I don't, I, I'm not even sure how to answer that question. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, like, uh, obviously like that, that's a huge kind of thing with your parents, uh, the, the separation, then the divorce, the, the move. Yep. And so, you know, what were the things as best as you can remember now that like were forefront in your mind, uh, forefront on your heart that you were really wrestling through the questions that you had as you're looking for, meaning and trying to make sense of all of these massive changes going on in life. Yeah. So I'm the kind of stereotypical middle child in that uh, I'm, I'm a peacemaker. Uh, Mm. So I I don't like it when those around me are in conflict. So uh, in the, the midst of divorce and all of the outworkings of it, uh, like you see, there's a lot of conflict, right? And so the, the, two people that have the the most influence in my life, my parents, you know, are in conflict. So uh, seeing that and uh, especially seeing the, uh, the pain and, and the sorrow that my mom was experiencing, you know, so living with her, um, you know, we just had a front row seat to that. Um, like that just really uh, unnerved me. I think um, it's just very unsettling uh, seeing your mom cried because of uh, interactions with, with your dad, like um, seeing this play out like this and see my dad upset. And um, so yeah, being the the peacemaker, wanting everyone just to get along, mm-hmm. uh, but being completely incapable of, of accomplishing that 10 year old, like these are my parents and uh, those right. are not my role or responsibility. Uh, so just that kind of uncertainty 
Um, and then just all the uncertainty that comes with moving. And uh, we moved a lot around as a kid before that. Um, so like making new friends wasn't hard, but you know, you start, as you start getting older, like those relationships just become more, more significant. Um, and so just the uncertainty all around, um, you know, and looking back, I just can see the, uh, the, the central role that a dad plays in the life of his kids, especially of his sons. And, um, so just not having quite that direct influence. Right. I mean, so still had, still have a relationship with my dad and, Mm -hmm. um, it's just different when, uh, you know, he's not in the home and there's just not that regular rhythm and and routine of of life together. Mm -hmm. Um, so just uncertainty, unsettledness. Um, and, uh, my mom, she'd always, uh, get on my case about, uh, uh, have my, my emotions all bottled up. Right. So, Mm -hmm. uh, being the peacemaker, like, I'm the one who's going to keep the level head and make sure everybody gets stuff resolved. Like I'm not going to be the one that's going to react and respond with, with strong emotions. I'm not breaking down and crying. Like I'm the, the strong, like resolute one here. That's going to help make everything right. Uh, at least that's how I like to think of myself, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, she'd always give me a hard time. Uh, she, like she wanted me to, I don't know what she wanted, wanted me to start crying or just express what I was thinking and, you know, just kind of internalize it. And, uh, you know, so, uh, when that happens, like it's, you're still trying to work through it all and, and process through stuff. And, um, so it's just unsettling. Um, and I think that's what leads to that, that, uh, that memory that I have of laying in bed and just like, I can't do this. Like, everything is falling apart around me is, you know, what it feels like when the world's just coming, coming apart. Uh, and just internally, like I, I don't have the categories to, to handle this. Uh, mm-hmm. like I need someone else. Um, I need a savior. Right. And it wasn't a, a profound sense of my own sin at that time. Um, uh, but just seeing sin around me yeah. and, uh, recognizing that I need a savior. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's such a universal problem as far as just when we really take a step back and take a hard look at the brokenness within ourselves, the brokenness around us, just the effects of sin on this world. And then we just realize like, I can't, I can't fix this. Like this is all too much mm-hmm. for, for me to handle. And so I want to hear, um, both how, uh, how Jesus really met you in that, like how he made a difference in that experience. Um, as well as, uh, the, the more unique dynamic to your personality and the way you're wired. But I think that a lot of people can relate with, and perhaps especially in Minnesota, <laughs> but of just that peacemaker uh-huh. sort of mentality and feeling like, yeah, there's, there's conflict here. There's a relationship that ought to be working and it's not. And I don't know how to fix it. I I, I can't mm-hmm. uh, fix it. And uh, so speak to those, however you'd like to, or whichever one you want to go with, but just um, yeah, how, how did Jesus meet you in the, the unbearable weight of the brokenness around you, mm-hmm. um, the effects of sin and, uh, and then perhaps in a more particular way, uh, how did he meet you in this, like just hardwiring to make peace where you can't make peace? Right. 
I think the Lord especially uh, became real in that uh, unsettledness and just demonstrating, like, here's a God who uh, is unchanging. Here's a God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Uh, he is unfailing, uh, and and he will never leave or or forsake his own. Um, again, didn't have these kinds of categories as a as a ten year old. Um, did not, yeah, uh, have the the theological, uh, yeah, categories yeah. Or, or teaching even to really understand yeah. um, just how how good the good news is. Um, but seeing first off that uh, the effects of sin around me. And just feeling that unsettledness that here's a God who will be uh, reliable and trustworthy, who is the rock of ages, who's um, who is there uh, as a steadfast presence, just has had a uh, comforting effect, um, I think, on, on my own soul that like, uh, so, it, yeah, and seeing everything changing <laughs> around me and just that mm-hmm. brokenness, like, okay, here's something that's fixed mm. um, here. Um, I can look to this word. Uh, to the to the Bible and, and find what's true. Um, almost, yeah. Here's something that's gonna orient me in this chaotic life. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, not just with divorce and moving, but uh, in life. Here's something that will will be a, a north star, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think there was that component of, as well that just was alluring. That here's something fixed, um, uh, and. Um, and then just as I got older and just walking with the Lord, just seeing then more so not just the sin around me, but the sin in my own heart, uh, that, uh, the struggles that, um, that I had with various sins, um, but it just became all of the more clear, like how desperately I need a savior, not just, I need someone to save me from my context or my situation, mm-hmm. but sin comes from my own own heart, um, that, uh, my own sin is, is damning to my soul. And, um, just growing up and just seeing yeah, my need for the gospel that Jesus died for sinners like me. And he rose from the dead to defeat and conquer that sin in me so that I, I'm not left in it. And any of the sin, either the, the sin that I see around me, the sin that's committed against me or the sin that, that I give myself to, yeah. he, he died and he rose again that I would be free from all of it. Hmm. Um, so in uh, that he, he sets before me the, the great hope that there is most certainly a day coming when all the sad things uh, are, are undone, right? That yeah. all of the, uh, the untrue things are, are done away with and I would yeah. walk in in the light and the truth uh, that, that he will wipe away every tear and sin and sorrow and sadness and sickness and death will be no more. Um, and so uh, having that kind of confidence and again, that certainty that here's something fixed in history that the man, Christ Jesus born and lived in Galilee. Like this is throughout my life as my Christian life here has been such a help to me, the historic person of Jesus that, this man of Galilee uh, cannot refute that he existed in history, that he made claims that, that he was true God of true God, that he mm-hmm. died on a Roman cross uh, and, and then rose from the dead three days later. Um, this, this happened. 
And so yeah. to uh, think back on that and then to be looking forward to that day when what he inaugurated in his death and resurrection, he will bring to full completion one day. Um, and so that good news and seeing uh, yeah, the sin around me, the sin within me, um, and just recognizing that, that Jesus, uh, he is real historically. He is real as he rules and reigns even now. And he most certainly will show himself to be real when he returns in glory and establishes the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, that's how, you know, in the immediate and then just through, through my life, uh, and in the following years, how the Lord continued to work to become more and more real, uh, just as uh, I was sanctified and as these brothers uh, discipled me and helped me to, to grow and see my sin for what it was. Um, I think in particular to the, the peacemaker component, uh, it, it seeing that, that I'm not a peacemaker on my own. Like I can't be a peacemaker on my own. Like hmm. sure we can work towards a measure of, of reconciliation with, with people um, serving those capacities. Uh, I remember in, um, I don't remember what grade it was, but in elementary school, like they had a, they call them peer mediators. And, you know, so it's kind of like a special program for, for kids that are, uh, I don't know how leadership capacity or I don't know what, a, how I was picked for, but I got to be a peer mediator, you know? So even like an early age, like I went to like conflict resolution training as a seven, eight, nine, 10 year old, uh, to help, uh, with discipline situations in school, uh, and be a, a peacemaker in that. And so like yeah. in my family in school, like that was just my knack. And, um, and probably that's how the Lord's wired me and why I'm, I'm, I'm serving as a pastor. Um, yeah. but recognizing that ultimately like I'm not the peacemaker, like I can't like Jesus is the peacemaker. He is the one who uh, breaks down the, the dividing wall of hostility to make peace by his blood. Like, he is the one who uh, brings about peace, who, who makes peace uh, between, between individuals, between us and, and the Father, God the Father. Um, he's the peacemaker. So I can only be a peacemaker insofar as I'm reflecting his peacemaking. And uh, I'm uh, commending the peace that is available in Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, apart from that, any peacemaking efforts I would have uh, either as a, as a kid or growing up, um, like that's only going to go so far. Yeah. Um, there's a yeah. remarkable difference, uh, between like gospel peacemaking and uh, sort of the peacemaking of the world. Whereas, uh, you know, it compromises, um, in, in mediation and in peacemaking is not altogether uh, a bad thing, but at least in the the worldly sense, like the, the orientation still so often seems like, you know, we'll just curb your selfishness enough mm -hmm. and curb their selfishness just enough so that we can get along. Right. It's more whereas, of remove the conflict. Yeah. Not really create the peace. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the, the gospel peacemaking as we see in Jesus like right. and the peace that he's made by the blood of his cross between us and yep. the holy, holy, yep. holy God is like, uh, is what, what can you do to, to die to your selfishness, to die to your sin, to take ownership of uh, all of the ways that you've contributed to the brokenness mm -hmm. in this world. Yeah. All peacemaking is then going to start there. 
dying to to yourself to love the person that you're in conflict with anyhow I, an anecdote but uh it's just um i hear you putting your finger on that it's like, oh, that's a really uh, beautiful effect of of the gospel amen mm-hmm. sure is given how common uh it is for for kids um to grow up in, in broken homes, whether that's divorce, separation, or just, uh, um, homes where like the parents are still together, but functionally it, it feels like there's a separation or a divorce because of how hostile the, the relationship is. Um, and what, uh, what ways would you encourage, um, whether it's a kid, a kid, you know, the age you were 10 years old or so, um, or even, uh, an adult today, mm-hmm. somebody your age now, who's still processing through, uh, all of the, the hurt that came about mm-hmm. during such a formative time. Yeah. I think, yeah. Either. Uh, yeah. Like you mentioned for a kid that's presently walking through this, um, or for adults that still uh, feel the the consequences of sin, uh, this sin of divorce. Um, what would I say? Like, I just oh, people, many people have significant struggles and issues uh, in their lives, largely because of their relationship with their father, uh, and that that played that weightiness had and, and still has a significant effect on me, you know, as we started having kids and, and now in parenting, just knowing that my kids will largely regard God, the father because of, of their interaction with me. Hmm. So, um, that's, I think that's God's design. That's why, uh, he created us to be fathers and that's why he had, uh, he is our father in heaven. Um, mm-hmm. the, we are to image him in that. And um, so in whatever kind of brokenness uh, someone's experiencing because of the relationship with their father, uh, their father, especially um, not to say that, that divorce comes about because always because of fathers, because of the husbands, right? I mean, uh, when you bring two sinners together in marriage, uh, you're, you're bound to have conflict. And especially when that conflict escalates to the point where, uh, the marriage, uh, is moving towards divorce. Um, both are going to be sinful contributors to that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a father, um, and, and thinking about that and speaking to a kid, you know, so kind of speaking fatherly, uh, I just want to say, uh, like you have a father in heaven. Uh, he will not leave you. He, he will not forsake you. Um, he is trustworthy and reliable. He is unchanging. He will never hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, he will never sin against you. Mm-hmm. Um, he will, he will never abuse you. And, uh, a passage from Isaiah, um, where, uh, a prophet speaks of, of God as, as one who, who does not extinguish the faintly burning wick, nor does he break the bruised reed. I come back to that often and just think of how, how tender our yeah. father is, how, how careful he is, um, especially in our brokenness and, and, uh, you know, how, 
how much clearer is that than in the incarnation that in our eternal brokenness because of sin that he sends the son, his very own only begotten son to, to come to us, to uh, pursue us. And so he's, he's near because he's sent his only son to, to bring us back to himself through the son's death and resurrection. And not even that, but now he's given us his only spirit to dwell inside of us, that we would be united with him. That we'd be united with him. The way that Jesus prays in John 17 is astounding. The kind of mm-hmm. uh, fellowship and communion and, and union that we experience with the father, the son and the spirit is astounding. And that s- speaks to our souls. You know, our God uh, draws near and, and he will be present. Um, he'll be present in, in the sin uh, that we experience against us. He'll be present to, to draw us out of the sin that we give ourselves to. Um, so, and, and walking through divorce or walking through uh, thinking about uh, how uh, your parents' divorce has affected you. Um, just, just don't, uh, don't persist in rebellion against our heavenly father, uh, that he's not that kind of parent. Uh, he is, he's a perfect parent, right? <laughs> of course mm-hmm. he is. Um, so he's not like our, our earthly parents. He, he will not leave us or forsake us. Uh, he will deal gently with us. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to want to convey to someone walking through yeah. the kind of thing, kind of things that, that I've experienced. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, I think uh, the father hunger that we experience today is is very real, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's probably fair to say that that all of us experience that, and that to the degree is, uh, that you experience it is to the degree that y- your father, world earthly father, was a, a a good or poor representative of your heavenly father. But uh, yeah, f- feeling that, that longing to hear from a father, like, well done. Yeah. Enter into my joy. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you referenced the, the John 17 and, uh, and Jesus's prayer that like, with the same love with which you have loved me, you now love these, my, my disciples, right. my, my people. And, um, yeah, how much all of us just like our souls crave Absolutely. that kind of security and acceptance. And, uh, yeah. Just, like, just to think that on that last day, uh, when Jesus comes in glory and all sin is done away with, you know, just to think, uh, of the father's affirmation and, and to uh, hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. Like just that, that well done, that mm-hmm. pleasingness. And that's, um, that is a affirmation and a, a satisfaction that the father has in us now in Christ. Yeah. That, uh, just as God is pleased with the, the sacrifice of Jesus to purchase for himself the, the bride, uh, to purchase for himself a people for his own possession, that that pleased disposition that the father has towards the son is the sentiment that he has towards us. Mm-hmm. That, that we don't have to 
earn his affirmation. We don't have to earn his praise. Uh, we don't have to earn uh, yeah, the, the right standing before him. Um, we don't have to, I'm just trying to you know, think of all the, the ways that we might try to strive for our, our earthly father's affirmation. Yeah. It's done. Jesus did it for us. Our father is perfectly pleased with us in Christ. Yeah. Uh, and that's testified by the indwelling presence of the spirit, that, mm-hmm. that the spirit is in us and we are united. Like, so there's nothing more that we have to do. Um, and so just dwelling on that affirmation and dwelling on the love that the father has for us in Christ. Um, I just hope that people would be well served dwelling on that as I have been. Yeah. Yeah. Just a final question is that's so good as far as yeah, dwelling on that love. We are so prone to forget it. We're so prone to default to approaching our heavenly father in the ways that we've learned to approach our, our earthly fathers. Um, and so we have to unlearn. I think a lot of that, like trying to earn, trying to catch our father's attention, trying to prove our worth or that we're good enough or, you know, our acceptance, uh, cause those are deep, deep ruts dug into our hearts. What are the, what are the things that have been, um, most helpful to you or that you find yourself going to time and time again to dig new ruts, to remind yourself that like, no, like this is my heavenly father and he is in Jesus pleased with me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a few things come to mind. One is that I have a, a wonderful wife mm, who uh, does such a marvelous job of diligently pointing me to Christ, like to the, the point where like I, I give her a hard time about Jesus juking me. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, she, because she's so consistent and so faithful to, to point me to Jesus. And mm. one of her phrases that have been uh, a hallmark of our marriage that uh, really encapsulates this is uh, her phrase that uh, there's, there's grace for people like you. Uh, you know, so it's, it's a, good a little, little humor in there that, you know, even a sinner like me, you know, there's grace for, for people like me. Yeah. Um, but just the, it, the gospel in that, uh, the gospel truth in that, that yeah, you're right. There is grace for sinners like me. Um, and I'm grateful for it. So, uh, my wife has been a, a wonderful gift to me um, in uh, pointing me to the gospel and in that pointing me to the the affirmation that is mine in Christ. Um, another is just being uh, diligent to be in the word and to know that in it, I, I need the Bible because this is uh, God's very truth that he's, uh, he's delivered to the church for our good. I need his word. Um, that he's uh, conveyed so much to us. So I, I need to commune with him by the spirit in prayer with the word. Um, so the gospel of John has uh, been one of the things, especially more recently, just uh, use of the Lord to convey that, that love and that affirmation, uh, that um, the upper room discourse there in, in John, especially in uh, getting mm-hmm. to John 17, uh, just uh, so much good there. And just thinking about, the love of Jesus um, and kind of related to that would be a, a Puritan uh, book, uh, the heart of Christ uh, by Thomas Goodwin. Um, I was just mentioning that to a friend this morning. Just uh, I got about halfway through it. It's a, a little book, but it's a tough read as the Puritans often are. Um, and so just taking it really just like not even a full page probably at a time 
but just dwelling on in such focused form of Christ's love for his own and, uh, and just meditating upon that as, as Goodwin walks through different facets, uh, different pastors scripture, different ways to look at it. Um, but just how Christ loves his own, um, that really just served my soul in, um, and welling up those, those affections for Christ and recognizing, uh, that his affections for me are primary. Mm-hmm. Um, and that his love for me grounds and gives rise to my affections for him. Um, the community of the saints is so huge. Uh, having other brothers and sisters who love the Lord, who are going to be steadfast in, uh, and calling me out of sin, uh, and, and into greater measure of, of faithfulness has been huge as well. Um, like the guys that I've mentioned, uh, and, and other friends just over the years that have, mm-hmm. uh, just been showing that kind of consistency, that kind of faithfulness that, that the Lord demonstrates. Um, that's just been profound as well. Just good Christian friends, yes. uh, who will commend Jesus to me. So those are a number of things that, that the Lord has used. Yeah. Yeah, man. So good. Um, well, I, I'm super encouraged just to hear, uh, the ways that the Lord has revealed himself to you, the ways that Jesus has become more real to you. Mm-hmm. And now the ways that in, in such a direct way, he uh, has called you into pastoral ministry where you can point people yeah. to the good father. A great delight of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And just can't wait to see what God does with, uh, with the church planting efforts and, uh, yeah, may the Lord, Bless it. And I'm very Amen. confident, very confident he will. Eager to see how he moves. Yep. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time, bro. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate yeah. it. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gospel Stories. This podcast is a production of Cities Church. You can learn more about Cities Church and find several other resources by visiting citieschurch.com. We'll be back soon with another conversation, so be sure to subscribe to the show. And if you were encouraged by what you've heard here, please leave us a review, or better yet, give it a share so that more folks can hear about the work of Jesus in the lives of his people. And finally, a special thank you to Sarah Groves for our theme music. All right, well, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back soon. To trust him more.